everybody. Again, thanks for joining me here on Take a Knee. All right. Well, I hope you caught last week's podcast if you didn't check it out. Talking about friendship. Today, I want to talk to you about the big question. What is the big question? Why are we here? I guess that's the biggest question of all. Why does the human race exist? Did it have a purpose? Well, that does lead to the deeper question for a person who believes in a creator, a person who believes in God himself, a God that loves his human beings, that created man, created the animals, created the earth. And that is the big question. What is my purpose then? Because see, when you talk about purpose, that assumes that there's a purpose giver, right? And then that leads to the next question, which is, what is this creator's will for my life? If I have a purpose, then what is his will? How does he want this purpose to show itself? Really, I guess they're one and the same question, but I like the idea of the will of God because that is more biblical. Because we can find that right there in Romans chapter 12. And Paul is coming to a conclusion in quite a bit of his teaching there in the book of Romans. And he says, therefore, we are spiritual service. We don't have to worship the way they did in the Old Testament. In fact, the temple is going to disappear entirely. Jesus prophesied that was going to happen. And so Paul is saying that our worship now is to be living sacrifices, that now we just live and breathe and sing and worship. We are the sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of our time, sacrifice. That is where it begins, and then that leads to answering that question. What is the will of God for my life? Paul says that it is through submission to the will of God, through worship and surrender, that we will discover the will of God, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's what he says. And he talks about gifts. He talks about our motivations, what God has placed inside us, and how that will will come through through us. So God doesn't just have a will that doesn't include our created skills, our abilities. In fact, God is going to use all of that. So how do we discover it? How do we discover the will of God? Well, I was sharing this with my staff today. I was talking about how we discover the will of God. Well, you don't just sit, right? Because I think if you've been walking with God long enough, then you know that if you're hungry to know more of God's will, you can make this decision and say, well, look, I'm just going to sit at home and I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for an angel to appear and say, okay, come on, follow me. We're going to do this. I'm going to show you what you're going to do. Well, for most of us, if not all of us, that never happens we would be sitting there all the time. And the whole time, the Holy Spirit is saying, get up, go, go where? I'll show you. And so it requires initial movement on our part to just get up and start just one step after another, starting to discover it one step at a time. And it, a lot of times it just comes initially through what I would call these doorways. So you're walking along, you now have this set of doors. And one door, you try it, it doesn't open. And so you're like, okay, well, that's not where I'm supposed to go. Then you try another door, and it does open. So many ways, we discover the will of God through open and closed doors. That's incredible, isn't it? And it's as important to understand these doors and what we do when we get to them, right? 
So I want to read Psalm 16 here, a scripture that I think will encourage you, but I want to start with the end of it first, and then we'll go back to it. So this is David writing this, we assume, and it goes like this, starting in verse 9 of Psalm 16. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. Well, that is something we all want, right? And my body also will rest secure. So my emotions are good to go. I'm happy and I'm singing and my body is doing good. He goes on, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. Of course, there's some prophetic word in here in reference to Jesus, of course, not decaying after death, three days in the grave, and then he rises from the dead. But he's also speaking about the Christians to come. But this is also has its first layer of application in David rejoicing in a work of God. And he goes, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with external pleasures at your right hand. Did that verse 11 jump off the page to you? What did he say? You make known to me the path of life. That path, the path of life, the path of my life. And so I want to jump up to how David discovers this. Listen to this, starting in verse 5. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. This is the secret. We are told with this writing, this discovery of David. So David is saying, my heart is resting secure. My mouth is happy. I'm joyful. And he tells us how he gets there, is that he is trusting the Lord. He is following the Lord. He says, the Lord is at my right hand. And then he says this very critical statement that the boundaries have fallen in pleasant places. In other words, when we think of boundaries, what are boundaries? Well, boundaries are the places where we can't go any further. We're not supposed to go any further. Maybe we're thinking like a sheep. A sheep knows where he can graze and where he shouldn't graze. Because he goes any farther, he could be lost or stolen or eaten by a wolf. So when we think of boundaries, how do we know when we've crossed them? How do we know? Well, obviously, in sheep language, you know because... You can't see the shepherd anymore. The shepherd is no longer at the right hand, right? The sheep would normally stay pretty close to the shepherd. Shepherd always have sight of the sheep. In this case, we know, looking at it for us, what are our boundary lines? Our boundary lines are going to be those places where we no longer are experiencing what David said he was experiencing, joy, God's presence, his body resting secure. In other words, safety, safety, peace, joy, the presence of God. The moment we move across a boundary that God has placed for us, which are in pleasant places, by the way, then we start to lose the peace, the joy, the sense of safety, and of course, the presence of God. And, you know, those are the things that we don't always catch right off the bat. It may take time because we try to generate but struggle begins to kick in, and what I call the lack of grace for whatever we're doing. 
and it might be a good thing. Well, I'm not doing a bad thing, Pastor David. Well, I get it, but still you've crossed a boundary. In fact, I was talking to a young person the other day and we were discussing about the will of God. And I told him, I said, you know, I'm going to be frank with you that having watched this and watching people for a long time, I've come to the conclusion that so many of the failures that I see with people in ministry or their marriages or different things, that they, these failures happen because they have crossed the boundaries that God has placed for them, that they have stepped out of the area of grace, safety, joy, and peace, and they've moved into areas that were not designed for them by God. And sometimes we don't discover these until we've crossed them and then begin to see the weary soul, the drying up of grace, and just that sense of, wait a minute, my soul is not happy in God right now, and I don't know why. And the honest truth is that sometimes that takes a long time for us to run out of steam because we have so much personal steam, depending on your personality, depending on your willfulness, <laughs> your willfulness. Sometimes we have so much willfulness that that can carry us for a long time. And we have this incessant hope where we're saying, you know, I just know this is going to happen. I just know. I know I'm miserable right now, but just around the corner, it's going to change. And because of these counterfeit feelings that we're having, we're setting ourselves up for a greater fall, a greater struggle. And remember, David was confident that God was right there in the presence of God. and. Really, our goal is to become so sensitive to the leading of the Spirit that we know when we've stepped out too far, or we've crossed a line that clearly God is not in. How do we know that? Well, there are ways to get to know the will of God through confirmation, through the Word of God, through advice, through counsel that God provides, whether it be a pastor or close friend or parents or anyone in our life who we can look to. I call those the harbor lights, and when the harbor lights all line up, the word, wisdom, circumstances, resources, when all these things line up, then a lot of times we'll see that God is in it. But even then, we are learning. A person needs to know what their gifts are. But as important as that, we need to know what our gifts are not. And a lot of times it takes some years of living before this is kind of hardened in. In fact, at the age of 30, most individuals are ready to launch out to be and to discover because they're fully matured. Maybe they've got some resources. Maybe they're, all their education is done. They're ready to go. But it is not until a lot of times until their 40s, maybe even by the age of 50, that you realize, and this can be a depressing thing for some, well, this is it. I mean, this is who I am. These are my skills. This is my skill level. This is what God has put in me. And yet at the same time, I think there are many other things we can discover about ourselves that are yet to come out. But again, this will come by the Holy Spirit's leading. And I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form that we should stop trying to push on doors. A door may look closed, but you press it and it opens. For me, I spent many years in a city and in a church and serving under another pastor for many years. I always hoped that one day I would have my own experience, my own opportunity to lead a work. 
to be able to launch out on my own and to be able to bear the weight of a local church and so on and so forth. I mean, I dreamed like any other young pastor, but God would not release me. And when I did attempt to do it, it didn't work. It was, it was a failure. And I remember crawling back home to my home church and I was broken. I didn't think that I had a future in being a lead pastor. I laid it down. But then when the time came for me to be launched, everything lined up. And God was saying, okay, it's time. Go. Move. I've equipped you. I've given you an opportunity. All the counsel was good. There was a few that challenged me to say, you know, gosh, you're a little old. I was 40 years old when I took my first church. That's a little older. And yet God was so faithful. And I've been here almost 20 years now where I am. And God has been good. God has been very good, very faithful. And I've seen the grace of God upon me to do what he's called me to do. And all of this is something that we come into, sometimes accidentally, but most assuredly by the will and purpose of God. We will discover it. We finally, in the end, have two choices. Are we going to embrace our limitations or are we going to push past them? And a lot of times we push because of three main areas. We fear or we have frustration, or faith. And believe it or not, faith, I'm not saying it's not a genuine faith, but it's a misplaced faith. It's a faith in something that you cannot do. And that is the kind of thing that is not really faith, it's more of presumption. So fear, frustration, and presumption can be the reasons why we push past the boundaries. Can we have faith in the wrong thing? Sure. What I would call a good motive, wrong goal. The goal is to discover God's purpose through both doors. Don't let disappointment slow you down because when a door is closed, it doesn't mean that God is done with you. It doesn't mean that you're not going to discover something better because a lot of times we do. When I tried to push open a door for another church, God said, no, this is absolutely not what I have for you. I've got something better. So don't be disappointed. Don't be sad. Don't think that I've abandoned you. Don't think that I don't have something, a purpose or a plan for your life. Within your boundaries, that is where you're going to thrive. That is where you're going to really grow. So the goal is to discover God's purpose through both doors. And then finally, the goal, the other goal, or maybe the overall goal, is to find peace. Find that peace. And I think, again, as I was talking to my young friend, that I think a lot of times over the years I've noticed that maybe some of the men that I went to school with or some of the people that I heard of or people that I even read about in the news, I look at them and I say, you know, this looks an awful lot like a person who just pushed past what God really had for you. And, you know, that is a real challenge, isn't it? To be able to stay within those boundaries. I want to finish with regards to how sometimes we are promoted past our purpose. And we press for that. We want to be promoted. We want to be promoted. And we push for it. But sometimes we learn the hard way. And (laughs) what we discover is failure. And failure is a good teacher. And so I wanted to finish with a story. What we find here in the Battle of Gettysburg. But anyway, let me share this with you. In the Battle of Gettysburg, what happened was Stonewall Jackson was killed. He died in the Battle of Chancellorsville, 
from a wound that he received on the battlefield. Anyway, he got killed, essentially shot by his own men, and then eventually died of pneumonia. So Lee goes into one of the largest battles, missing really one of his most potent, powerful commanders. And so there was one of Stonewall Jackson's underlings that always was complaining, always complaining about Stonewall's moves, his actions. And it was this attitude, well, if I was in charge of this corps, things would be different. We'd have more success. Of course, who would ever have believed he could have had more success than Stonewall Jackson did? But it was then tested in the Battle of Gettysburg. And because Stonewall Jackson was there, at the end of the first day of the battle, everyone believes that well, I wouldn't say everyone, but many people who studied the battle realizes that if Stonewall Jackson would have been there, he would have most certainly seen the importance of the high ground, Culp's Hill, at the end of the first day. And yet, I think it's Ewell. I'm going to go on a limb and say it was General Ewell, who was the underling under Stonewall Jackson, who was no longer there. And Ewell was put in charge of that corps. And at the end of the day, Ewell did not take that high ground. He did not and could not, would not take the risk. And because he didn't, General Lee called him in and in his conversation said, well, in essence, see, <laughs> it's a lot harder at the top. And what Yule realized and discovered was in all that criticism, he was just not made to be the man of the hour, that he could not carry out the kind of gifting and risk-taking and boldness and brashness that Jackson had, and that Ewell did not. And so as a result, they suffered and did not win that battle ultimately. If they had had the high ground of Culp's Hill, the second day of battle would have definitely gone differently. Indeed, perhaps the whole battle would have been finished in just two days, but no one really knows. But bottom line is this, folks, we need to know our boundaries. We need to know who we are and how we're created to be. And when we live Within those boundaries, that is going to be the place that we are going to be filled with peace, filled with joy, and ultimately what? Have the success that God wants us to have. And success, man, that just breeds the biggest kind of joy and security that we really are looking for at the end of the day. Let me bless you. Father, I thank you for the patience of all who are listening today. Lord, I ask you to bless us and help us. Lord, may we rest secure in the will and the purpose of God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Have a great one. See you next time.